This is The Politics of Everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast, so while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. Transformation is a term we all embrace at some stage of our lives. From relationships to our bodies, perhaps our careers or even our spiritual beliefs, they all part of what we can transform throughout our life. But what if you need a bit of a boost? Meet Kylie Fitzpatrick, who's an expert in transformation and uses the power of storytelling to impact performance. In fact, I've actually heard her be called Australia's Oprah. She's an entrepreneur, influencer and compassion activist. She's the founding partner and coach at The Performance Code and founder of Team Women Australia. Kylie's also the mother of three children. With over 25 years in the spotlight, Kylie is known for her expertise in marketing to women and developing content that effectively engages women on issues that are the very most important things to them. Welcome, Kylie. Hi, thanks. So let's start at the beginning. As a kid, what did you dream of becoming when you grew up and why? Wow, an aerobics instructor, actually. <laughs> Leg warmers and all? Oh, yes, actually, that was the era. My mother was an aerobics instructor and I remember going to the local community. Well, she was a part-time instructor, so on the weekends um, she'd be at the local community hall and I would go obviously with her. And to me, she just looked like she had so much fun. And at the same time, you know, she was having a real positive impact on improving, you know, women's lives. Oh, that's fantastic. So did you ever do some training in that area or did you sort of divulge into a different career as you got older? I did, actually. I, I mean, I always had a passion for sport, you know, so I'm very, you know, all through school I was always involved in, you know, everything to do with sport. But oddly enough, I kind of had this midlife crisis in my corporate career some many years later. And when that happened, I actually went and studied to become a personal trainer. Uh, so I was fully qualified as a, as a personal trainer for some time. How funny. And that corporate career what was that and what did that teach you I started out and pretty much spent my career in media marketing my first early well, the early part of my career I was specializing in, in the area of research and, and using the research to inform kind of business leaders and the thing that I discovered in doing that job was actually how powerful data can be to impact people's performance. Specifically, my job was to analyze data and interpret the data and basically tell a story with the data in using it for editors who would then translate that into stories to impact the growth of the readership of the paper. Uh, and we would also give those to uh, sales teams and they would use it in their sales presentations to impact the revenue performance of the, of the paper. So it's quite a forensic approach to storytelling, which probably leads into maybe why you're still interested in storytelling. And we will get to that in a moment. But on today's word and topic, which is transformation, and it's a really big concept, but I know professionally you do call yourself a transformation and storytelling expert and you specialize in breakthrough performance. So for you, what does the word transformation really mean and how do you really play that out in what you do? For me, transformation is about the creation of something new, you know, and that that could be 
certainly in my own personal experience, it could be in an individual's personal experience. When you see something new for the first time, you have this experience of, you know, transforming something. And then there's also, you know, transformation in physical objects, the change of things, you know, once was something and then it becomes something completely new. I mean, we often hear people say, oh, my gosh, she got a new haircut and she completely transformed. (laughs) The physical transformation, yes. That's right. That's absolutely right. The thing that I've noticed in particular, I think this is the connection for me with stories, is that when you share, when, when you listen to somebody tell a personal story, what happens is people see things that they're not necessarily seen before. They kind of saw something new in themselves that they hadn't quite seen before. And what happens is it gives them a new view. It gives them a new perspective, uh, a new opening, and when they get a new opening and a new insight, that leads to actions that they hadn't seen before. So it really does have this connection between seeing something new and then making changes in your life in order to give yourself your own personal experience of transformation. That's a great way to sum it up. And I know your business, The Performance Code, specializes in working with executives and leaders and entrepreneurs to create those breakthroughs in performance. Are we talking about a degree of physical transformation, given I know you're very fit and I've seen your gym routines on social media, everyone look those up, Um, but what else? I mean, what else are we talking about when we're looking at that breakthrough in their performance? Uh, Look, it comes down to a couple of key things for me. It's a combination of making sure you've got the right plans in place. Um, So often when I talk to people about, well, what really is performance, performance comes down to simply two things. comes down to having the right strategic plan, you know, knowing what it is you want to do, where you're heading and what your goals are. But most people end up focusing purely on those things, you know, like the vision and the purpose and the goals and the action plan. It's really great with coming up with the action plans and, you know, and then communicating those plans with their staff and getting them all on board and everyone's really inspired and except then they don't get the results that they want. So the second part that I mostly work in is the area of how to have people kind of produce the results that they're committed to And it's not so much about the plan, it's about how do they deal with what gets in the way of them being able to impact that performance? You know, what are the barriers that get in the way? What are the things, the obstacles? Uh, How do they be effective in the way they communicate with others in order to have the right outcome that they want? So performance ultimately then comes down to those two things. It's about have you got the the plan and the strategy in place, which is obviously all my corporate background, uh, and then what are you doing to make sure that the people who you are expecting to impact performance are positively set up in a way that they can be effective? Like, are they set up for success? Um, is it an environment where they can communicate effectively? And are they set up where they're okay to experience failure and, you know, those kind of things? That's really interesting. So is there some examples of some of the common barriers that you've come up against, you know, with multiple clients? Is there a bit of a theme to this sort of stuff that people are really grappling with in the modern workplace? I, if, there was, if I had to point out one theme, it would be communication, uh, the breakdown that people experience in their effectiveness to communicate effectively. Um, people are often, for example, in meetings where uh, yeah, I mean, I even remember myself, um, my last role as head of change and strategy planning at News Corp. And, you know, I was in an executive meeting. There's about 10 to 12 of us in the meeting and we were on a steering committee and we were accountable for the transformation and restructure of the business. And here I was, uh, I think I, no, no, I was one of two women uh, in the meeting and we were about to get started in the meeting. And I noticed two individuals actually have it gossiping about one of the other colleagues that wasn't in the office. Uh, and wasn't attending that meeting at the time. And they were blaming him for why certain things in the project were not 
being achieved, like the results weren't getting produced. Uh, and I had this thought to myself, well, that's really inappropriate. Um, you know, the guy's not even here to actually respond to what you have to say, but what you've now just done is you've in public, in front of the rest of the team, communicated that he's the one responsible for the breakdown. Now, of course, in there I am saying to myself this stuff, also not speaking up about what was happening. So, you know, two things that were happening there. Firstly, people are not responsible for their communication in what they say and the impact that then has on the team's ability to impact the performance. And then secondly, people don't have the courage to speak up about certain things because of the fear of what might happen if they actually do speak up. Absolutely. And I think I can even, I've had those experiences in my own career as well. And it doesn't just happen when you're younger. Like you think, you know, the older people would perhaps stand up, but do you find that it's not necessarily generational or do you find the younger generation these days perhaps are a little bit more forthright in their communication style? Uh, You know, I think so. everybody's so different. You know, I know plenty of younger people who, in fact, I have worked with some young entrepreneurs who are quite the opposite, you know, so they don't necessarily speak that, that forthright. So I really do think it comes down to the individual. Um, talking about generations, though, um, you know, I mean, I've got three kids, right? So I can, you know, they're pretty unleashed when it comes to saying what they need to say. But again, they say what they want to say without any knowledge about the impact it has on the people around them, right? I mean, I've seen That's my kids. That's right, the no filter thing that kids no. seem to get away with. <laughs> Exactly right. I mean, I've got my kids will be sitting in a restaurant and there'll be some person who seems quite overweight and they will make a comment. They'll just stare at them and make a comment. I mean, you know, that's called not responsible communication. At the same time, it's being straight, right? Um, But as adults, we actually stop communicating all of the things that are in the hidden. So this is one of the key areas that I end up with. Usually the access to performance is being able to identify with people what is the thing that is unsaid. What are the conversations that you're having with yourself about yourself, about others, and about the environment that you're actually not willing to tell the truth about? Because it's actually that that prevents us from being able to be effective in our performance. Absolutely. So who do you predominantly work with? And is there a solid example you could share of maybe on a no-names basis helping a client into a transformation that they perhaps would call life-changing or a major breakthrough. So give us a really tangible example to discuss exactly how you operate. Yeah, so um, there's actually two different ones I could give you, but the first one um, in different kind of dynamics. So the first one, um, which seems to be quite common, uh, are business owners who have gone into, you know, gone and set up their own business because they're an expert in something. So I've got one guy in particular who was an engineer, very effective in his job and was just so, you know, swamped literally with the amount of work, but he saw an opportunity to go out and start his own business. And he'd been a couple of years in the business, um, but he was experiencing, you know, like working far too many hours, um, ineffective in having his business partner. So he got a business partner on board. Uh, he was in a, was experiencing his business partner not being effective in getting done what needed to get done when he expected it to get done. Yes. And so he called me and said, look, I want you to work with my business partner, actually. Um, he said, you know, he's just not doing getting done what he needs to get done. And, and I said, okay. Now, me knowing that actually the individual – he was so he was experiencing the breakdown performance, but I don't go. Oh well, let's go solve the problem called the person over there. Let's actually also take a look at why are you not experiencing being effective and having that partnership work. So I said to him, okay, well, rather than focus on let's making it the problem about your business partner, how about we look at the business and the state of the business and see what's happening that may be at the 
you know, that may be causing that. So he's like, okay, great, do that. And so we started in that place, you know, and um, I mean, this was probably where all of my change experience comes from too, you know, looking at the actual condition of the environment. So I do take a look at the environment. Um, I've seen many women, actually, this is the same case, you know, you will work within an organisation and they will blame themselves for how they don't have what they want when inevitably they're in an environment that is toxic. So I'm Absolutely. Yeah. So my first place is to always look at the total system. I look at the environment. I look at what's happening with the people in the environment. I look at the processes and the systems and then see what's actually in the background that could be causing that. Um, but then what, so what happened basically was we started having those conversations and what was very evident to me, the moment I was in the room together was I could see the way in which both of them were communicating with each other. Every time this particular guy I was working with who owned the business would communicate, the other guy wouldn't say a thing. And so I could see this dynamic where, you know, like he had a whole set of expectations that weren't being communicated. The other guy then just wouldn't speak up for himself and, so eventually, long story short, I worked with them both independently. I had one-on-one conversations with them so I could unpack the what's going on for you that, you know, like what's your opinion of how that went. So I'm really getting the unsaid. Um, and then I did the same with his business partner. And clearly he was just not willing to speak up because he was afraid of that what he was saying was going to get shut down and it was going to be wrong and it was better not to say anything. So the end result was um, the well. What's actually ended up happening is the guy who owns the business has now packed his stuff up and he's moved to Byron. He now works remote because he's actually got a, an incredible amount of trust for this guy that's running the business. The guy's doing what he needs to get done when he needs to get it done, and they're actually communicating in a way that gives him the freedom to step away from his business and be able to have the same level of performance. Now I don't know about you, but he's he's about to have it. So he's about to have a baby in July, and for him. Working 100 hours a week was just not practical, not practical for his health, but it was also not practical for him as a parent. Absolutely. We all know that experience of both of us being parents. Um, yeah. And not, and you don't want to anymore anyway. I mean, those those days of we, if you have to do a 100-hour week, there's something I always think radically wrong with, uh, you know, yeah. the way your workplace is set up or how you, what systems you've got in place. So, I mean, that's a really powerful example of how I guess you've helped a business and people actually operate better. Um, and it sounds like communication is once again the key in that. Yes, very much so. And was there a second example or did you yeah, did you feel so, like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll give you a different uh, dynamic. So a couple of uh, – there was two girls in particular, both uh, entrepreneurs. So they had uh, kind of something – so one of them was is the founder of Mum Life Australia. Um, she had a situation where she had a child, went back into the workforce and, you know, really struggled. You know, probably she said, oh, she did say actually it was because she had kids later in life, she felt like she really should have things handled uh, and know what she's doing by the time it gets there, except she had no idea what she was doing. So she really struggled with the balance of, you know, being a mum and her confidence and getting back into the workforce. And but she noticed that as along her own journey, the things that she, that helped her was, you know, connecting with other people and then or having available resources and information that helped her make some informed decisions. So she decided to follow this kind of p- pursuit, you know, and set up mum, she started setting up Mum's Life Australia and, you know, great product and great deliverable as far as how it would help women to feel more confident about, you know, becoming a new mum and balancing that with their jobs except she wasn't having the cut through that she wanted. So she had to keep working in her old job to pay for herself to be able to launch this thing. And as one knows, that's really not sustainable as a mother, let alone, you know, anyone doing something like that. So um, the thing that we worked on was being able to identify for herself what was the 
um, any kind of barrier she had in particular about her ability to exit out of a current job and move into the next one. And I, it was a bit of a surprise, actually, because the thing that we, did, we didn't, had no idea what it was going to be, but she'd been invited on numerous occasions to speak publicly about what she was doing. And every time that happened, she'd kind of go into a bit of a shell and she would, you know, spend <laughs> deliberating about whether she should and shouldn't do it and what am I going to say and I'm not really clear about how to communicate and, you know, what's the point and kind of really struggled to get her message out there. So after having done the work around looking at what had been happening in her personal experience, and just honestly, it was really about going back and looking at what happened for her. She hadn't had somebody to be able to see and communicate in a way where she felt safe that she could say everything about her personal experience, the decisions that she made. Because I tell you now, most people do not like to admit that they have opinions about themselves and others that they don't really want to talk about. But when she did that, she got this incredible amount of clarity about how she could communicate in a way that would resonate with other women who had exactly the same experience. So I got a um, I got this beautiful little letter from her actually about having gone and spoken at a particular event and she said she'd never had so much power um, in being able to communicate her story with clarity and she said the people that had come up to her afterwards and were sharing their story back with her, she said it just, made, you know, it was just a miracle for her. Wow, that's a powerful stuff. And yeah. personally, what sort of transformations have you gone through that have enabled you to become better at leading and activating this kind of change for greater good? Because I'm always a big believer that when you've experienced it yourself, you can definitely coach and mentor people, obviously with more clarity because you, you understand, you have the empathy, you have the experience. Is there anything particularly for you that's helped you become a better practitioner at what you do? Wow. Uh, so you should know I have multiple transformations every day. <laughs> My day. Not just hair. <laughs> no, no, that's right. I have physical transformations, but I have a lot of mindset transformations to impact my performance, I tell you. Um, but I suppose if I share the one that's most uh, relevant to, you know, the area of you know, impacting performance and, you know, the work I do with Team Women Australia especially, uh, it was my own journey after having children. And this is kind of the bigger one, right? Um I, after having three kids, I went back to go back. I was marketing director at News Corp at the time and I, I loved my job. Um, I had, you know, I had great staff. We were doing big things. And, um, but after I had my third child, so I had three children in under, what was three and a half years. And the third time, I seriously, I was actually just desperate to get out of home and get back to work so I could ha- have a nice warm cup of coffee, go to the bathroom in quiet, like just, you know, get totally me out. Totally respect that. <laughs> That, that was authentically, like that was really what was driving me. Did I really want to go back to work full-time? No, I really didn't want to go back full-time, but it wasn't like I also wanted to lose my job, right? So what happened was I remember the day so clearly walking back into the office to have a conversation with my boss about coming back to work. And as I was walking through the corridor, I literally had this thought to myself, I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> I, I cannot work full-time with three kids. It's insane. And who, who am I thinking I am by trying to do that? Now, I didn't know this. at the, I wasn't present to it at the time. Right? It's only now that I, you know, when I got through that transformation work that I could see that that was what held me back. So when I got into the meeting with him, I'm trying to have a conversation with him about, oh, well, can I do my job in three days? And he's like, well, no, I need someone full-time. And so I didn't say anything. I went, oh, well, I'm just grateful to have a goddamn job right now. And I didn't pursue it. I didn't push it. I didn't stand up for what I could do to make it work. I, I, I just backed right out. 
So what inevitably happened is I, well, I did end up coming up with a solution called, well, split my job. I'll take part of the strategy work, give somebody else, the marketing person who's now in the mat leave role all the marketing stuff. And, um, you know, I can manage that part time. He said, oh, great solution. Now, of course, I did that, except I lost everything in that job that I loved. I was, so I was in a, an office working solo, no longer working on all of the leadership work, the business operation, the you know accountability, the forwarding of the business, blah, blah, blah. And so within about three, I think it was about, it was probably about six months actually, I was so bored. I was bored. I was frustrated. Um, I was resentful because my office, my new office happened to be sitting outside of the boardroom where all the executives and me used to have our, our team meetings. And I would see them coming and going and I would just start, I would just get resentful. I'm like, this is this sucks, being politely saying. I had a bit more language behind how my <laughs> real experience was. Yes. And I, I was really, really stuck. And now what happened was I started to go into default mode, which is to do what I would normally do when I know to get a result, right, and which is, you know, okay, get a coach, get a mentor, go back and study. Oh, yeah, go and do an MBA while you've got three kids and you're working part-time. That's really smart. Because you didn't I have enough was, on your plate, clearly. <laughs> Clearly, right? But at the time, I didn't have this view called um, let's really look at it from that perspective. I kind of just got into the mode called let's just get this, what is it, get shit done, right? So I got into, I went back and started studying. I'm like changing my career direction. I read this article called, you know, some 50-year-old marketing guy was made redundant because he's bringing in all these new stuff. I'm like, great, I can't, okay, marketing's not the next thing for me. So I went, okay, what's it going to be when to change? So I literally started doing all of that work and to the sum, you know, look, I busted a gut to do it. I really did. Um, but what happened was it wasn't until I was in this new change role. So it was about 12 months later because the company had restructured. And I got an email from our CEO at the time who sent out saying that one of our, one of my colleagues, the guy that I'd known, you know, worked with for almost 15 years, had committed suicide. And oh I literally, goodness. yeah, it, it kind of, uh, I've never, I've never cried in the workplace, right, until that moment. And I stood up and I just lost it. Um, it really, it kind of really nailed me. And I thought, what the hell am I doing? Um, this is, this is not, I'm not okay with this. And, you know, I had no idea the degree to which, what he was dealing with. And, um, it kind of started to put me into a different place about how I was looking at my own, my own situation. But then what made it, I suppose, worse, <laughs> if it could get much worse, was that it was also happened to be the day of my son's seventh birthday. Um, oh, my and so goodness. I, I went home that night, right, dealing with, oh, well, you're not really going to start talking about the fact about how upset you are because it's your son's birthday. Just get over yourself. And so I walked in the door at home, you know, celebrating cakes, da, 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 and then I would sit down, have a glass of wine with my husband, and my husband starts crying. I'm like, what the? <laughs> what about me right now? You know, like, oh, this is my days, my friends, and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, like, I just had to park it, right? Anyway, he turns around and says, oh, uh, so we're going to lose the business. Um, so he had a, he's got a cabinet making business. So we're losing the business and we're going to lose the house. I was like, what? Oh, wow. Um, this is major. I wasn't quite expecting this, Kylie, when we started down this story. <laughs> Yeah, you can imagine what was occurring in my world, right? I mean, I was flippant from being incredibly angry and upset to being, uh, you know, annoyed at him, like, how could you let it get to this, to then turning around, having my son sitting there celebrating his birthday, dealing with myself called, oh, my God, you got a blah, blah, blah. And I tell you what, that that for me, that period was a real um, challenge. 
And the thing, and that for me was the moment where I actually did realize it doesn't matter how, you know, what you want to do in life, what plans you've got. You can have all the grand plans in the goddamn world. You know, like here I had mapped out my entire next trajectory with my career and what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. And, and I tell you, unless you've got power in the face of those particular circumstances, it doesn't it matter. It really doesn't matter because the only thing that ultimately really matters is our health and our relationships. And if we have no power in those two areas of life, we've got Buckley's chance of actually fulfilling on what really what we do want to contribute, you know, when we do want to make a difference and we do want a, a great career and we do want to thank that on it. So that literally transformed my entire life because I stopped making it about forwarding my objectives with my career and I really got actually know well, the work that needs to be done here is how do we bring both of these things into the mix so that we can have, and I'm not saying have it all, like because it really does take working on certain things at any particular time, but how does one, you know, have power in the face of what we deal with in life so that we can impact the performance in areas of life that we do care about. And, and to be honest, I really do care about a career. I, I love working. I love making a difference. I love being so a contributor. I can't totally. sit, I'm not interested in sitting at home doing washing and drop-offs drop at school. I mean, I love my kids, got, but, but that's not – so for me, that shifted my entire focus. I got I, I take, took actions that I'd never thought I'd ever take. I'd exited 20, – it was 23 years I think I'd been in the corporate game. I never imagined that that would be something that I would do, and I did it. Um, I was willing to fail. I was willing to just get out there and actually focus on what really mattered. And it's not been an easy road, you know, because I was used to having, you know, the six-digit income. I went from that to having nothing. Uh, I, I literally had to deal with myself about how I empowered my husband to become somebody to rebuild his business, which he's now done. I mean, just... You know, I could go on, right? I think you get the nature of absolutely. absolutely. Now that's yeah. an incredible story, and I guess touching on the other side of what you do with Team Women Australia, the idea of this powerful storytelling, which we did talk about a little bit in the beginning, and I love the idea that you want people to feel inspired, empowered, and I guess enabling more women to stand up for themselves, like what you've had to do, and living a mm. courageous, compassionate, and confident life. Mm. For you, why women, and how does that? How does that play out for you, given your experiences? Well, it was um, accident, an accident to start with, right? Um, so initially, when I was dealing with this all of myself, um, I went back to work after that situation with my husband, and you know, having friend commit suicide, and you know, and at the same time, um, you know, I was struggling with my own return to work, with what career I wanted. So I was going through a lot. What I noticed was when I started actually sharing openly with some of the other women at work, um, you know, like they'd ask, you know, you can have a cup of coffee and they're, how, how are you going? And I would tell them. I actually would tell them. Whereas previously, mostly pr personal conversations like that were not something I'd be willing to talk about. So, um, you know, this whole thing about what's personal versus professional, right? So I never would talk about that, but I did. I started talking about it and I started sharing with them about what my experience was really like. Uh, I started to share about how I was resentful about, you know, not having the career that, you know, I loved and blah, blah, blah. And every single woman said, oh, my God, that's actually what's happening for me. And I said, really? Because I had no idea, right? I'm like, just, we're talking about some of the senior executives at News Corp at the time. And I'm like, really? I said, I would never have thought. I said, you look like you've got it all handled. And I said, the corporate armour that they keep oh on, which we all God. keep on at some point. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And anyway, so I started telling them about what I was doing to get myself out of being stuck so that I could 
you know, do something else instead of tolerating the things that I didn't like. And they went, oh, well, what are you doing? And I went, so, oh, you know, as one does, I end up going and setting up a mentoring group in the company because, of course, the company doesn't provide any support or investment to, you know, ex- in fact, all the executives in there. No, no, even the senior executives weren't getting dollars to pay for executive coaching. So, you know, redundancy time restructures, no money, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's bull, you know, BS. Yeah. <laughs> um, it really so is, I thought, isn't it? really is and look then nothing's changed in that area by the way like even women I speak with now are like I went to a three percent conference just recently of, uh, in the creative industries of women trying to get the tip the point over three percent of women in leadership and I spoke to individuals even those that are CEOs of those organizations and even they were not getting money invested in coaching and empowering and, and that kind of stuff so but anyway so what happened was I started mentoring some of them I had six so we started it was about six of us and I literally just started applying the same thing that I was doing with myself you know looking at their values and looking at your strengths and then working out what you really want next and let's create a pathway and blah 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 and so we did all of that um, and within six weeks, because of even some of the incremental results some of them were getting, we went from six to 55 in the space of about six weeks. And, um, you know, because they, they, they would talk to their friends and then their friends were like, oh, my God, can I join? And so we had um, we had women from Qantas, from Kellogg's, uh, from the real estate industry. I mean, you, you name it, it was kind of blended, right? And so uh, that is what started it for me. I just, that's how it happened uh, we ended up, you know, there was a woman there who re- had this incredible story. I'm like, oh, my God, you've got to share that. And she says, oh, I want to do this speaking thing. But she said, but I've got no confidence. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, you're an ex-CMO of an FMCG company multinationally and you've got no confidence to stand up and speak. <laughs> I was like, what's that about? Said, the um, oh, imposter syndrome that we also oh, all relate to God. at some stage. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, she said, oh, well, it's one thing to get up and talk about corporate budgets and blah, blah, blah. She said, but if I've got to share my personal story, I went, oh, God. I said, well, why don't we organise an event? And I said, you share your story. And I said, all we need to do is invite one other person each and we've got 100 in the room. So, of course, that's what we did and that's what happened. And that's kind of not looked back since then. So that's kind of how the female thing happened. Um, I don't necessarily, so from a business perspective in coaching, as you can tell, you know, like I work with men and women, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't specifically, you know, coach women. Uh, But so what I did was set, you know, Team Women Australia up with the intention of having that uh, support women. And the reason I did that was because we need a low cost model that makes it accessible for women to get what they need. Because most of them who are struggling with this don't have the financial investment to pay um, you know, anywhere from 150 up to a thousand bucks an hour for a coach, of and course. they certainly don't have the money to go and invest in all these networking groups to get to, to attend to these different things. Which you know, they've got to pay upwards of you know 100, 200 bucks just for membership, and then they've got to pay another 100, 200 bucks to get on it. I mean, it just becomes too expensive. So um, that's why I set up Team Women Australia initially, and it just started to grow from there. And the more women who were getting inspired by seeing that they could be the ones that took action on the things that really mattered, you know, the more that that, that kind of grew. Um, now, if I was to look at um, evidence of why I think that's important, um, I don't know if you've watched it, but I would certainly recommend anyone watch the Michael Kimmel's TED Talk on yes. why gender equality is good for everyone. Um, and when I saw that, I just went, oh, my God. As a researcher, I'm like, yes, data finally from psychologists that tells us that empowering women is good for everybody. And that's what um, some of the people near. We've had um, Dr. Michael Kimmel is actually one of my early guests on this podcast, a gorgeous man, and I have so much time for him. But he 
he definitely argues that case so well that even the you know, even the skeptics, whoever they are, female, female, whatever, cannot dispute the evidence. And I think that's sometimes what we need in in life to make things happen. Although there's probably even with that so much more work to do. But I, I'd be curious to know: Do you have any special mentors or inspirational people in particular that have guided you? They don't have to be well known, but you know, is there anyone that stands out for you? And what have they taught you about life? Yeah. Uh, so there's. A couple, so a couple of women in my family who, you know, of late have become very inspirational to me. I mean, once I kind of went through my own personal transformation and got complete for myself about my own upbringing, uh, which was, you know, not not straightforward, let's say. Uh, both my so my mother became incredibly inspiring to me. Um, you know, she's the daughter of you know stolen generation. So my grandmother was taken away from her mother at three years old and. Um, so her upbringing was quite traumatic and she had me when she was only 15 and I look back and I think, oh my God, oh geez, I can't imagine myself at 15 years old. No being way. A child. I know. You know. I was like, what the, you know, um, although I spent most of my early adolescence and years really resenting her for not giving me the life that I think I deserved. Um, but once I got complete about that, you know, recognizing that I, it was up to me to have create my life, mm-hmm. I just became incredibly, you know, this was the turning point for me about compassion actually, because I not only forgave, I had to forgive myself for the just, you know, the relationship I'd created with my mother, but I also then forgave, you know, my mother who also had certain things that happened, you know, where there was a whole world of forgiveness that had to happen. So, I, I mean, she's just remarkable. I mean, at the time, you know, she was obviously only 15, 16 in high school and then she became a cosmetics lady behind a cosmetics counter and, you know, and I pretty much my, most of my life had the opinion that, well, that's kind of all she became and I wanted to become so much more than that, right? which so I had to really, you know, confront my own belittlement of my mother. Um, and But when I did that, you know, it just transformed everything. And she, um, she's now an academic, I can't, believe, I can't believe sometimes I say this now, but she's an academic um, in one of the universities, um, done PhD. She's now working with Indigenous, because I'm an Indigenous woman, she's now working with Indigenous communities to actually transform their experience in local communities to thrive. I mean, she's just bloody remarkable. I That's incredible. Can't. What a story. No wonder she's your inspiration. So just to wrap up, what is the best tip you have for the for the business minded people out there, or anyone really who's trying to get ahead in the politics of transformation? What would be your final takeaway? I would say, um, well, two things actually. Firstly, keep it real, <laughs> um, and know that everyone is uh, fighting a battle that we know nothing about especially, you know, if we're talking about in business, you know, we have a tendency to focus on that which we can see externally. But it's often there's a world that occurs underneath what's happening from what we can see. So I think when we operate from compassion, so I'm a compassion activist, as you know, that 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 has to start with oneself. So my best tip is do the work to have compassion for every single aspect of who you are in life about, you know, what – how you speak to yourself, how you speak to others, what you did and what you haven't done, you know, even those things that you haven't done, you know, that you wish you had done, you know, find compassion because when you do, it really gives you power in having compassion for others and when you do, that really um, expedites your ability to impact your performance in business. I've so loved having you on The Politics of Everything. If you do want to connect further with Kylie Fitzpatrick, there will be some details on our show notes. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, we thrive on feedback. 
So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network, your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespokecoms, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-E-C-O-M-M-S dot com dot A-U and we'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time.